0: My name is Brittany. I am on the lead team here at The Ascent. Um, I'm also on staff at Riverwood, and um, I'm a student getting my Bachelor of Theology degree. Um, so doing school, I do it all online. So pretty much what my average day looks like is I go to work. I work from 9 to 5-ish. I go home, I have a quick dinner, and then I do homework pretty much all night from like 6 till 9:30, 30, 10. Um, and so that's my, my typical day. And so often I'll, I'll be in this habit and I'll just have such a hard time focusing, and I can't focus, and so this happened last week, where I just could not focus on my homework. And so I decided I was gonna go and let off some steam, so I went on a run just around my neighborhood. And so I was running, and I passed um, an old playground right by by my house. And I was like, how great was it when we were kids that three times a day, we got to just go have recess. Like, we got to just go outside and do whatever we wanted. Like, we got to run to the playground And no teachers were there. They weren't watching us, at least like from my school. I don't think any of the teachers watched us. The parents weren't there. They couldn't hear what we said or see what we did. We had no rules, right? Like we got to play grounders. How awesome was that, that we could just go on a play structure and have our eyes closed and walk around? Like no one cared. We could play grounders. We could play Red Rover. Like we had the best childhood. And so I was thinking about this. I was thinking about playgrounds and, and playing grounders every single recess with my friends and we would race out and last one there, they had to be it. And often in our like young age, we would really trash talk each other. Like we would just call each other names out of like this competitive spirit and it was like all G-rated stuff. So it was like doofus and butthead and loser and like all that sort of thing, right? And so I was like thinking about this and like actually, what really happened was the boys would always trash talk the girls guys, no offense, but you weren't very smart. You did not realize that one day we were gonna be your girlfriends and your wives because you were so mean to us. But the girls, we we had it covered because we would just chant this phrase and it would go, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And so I remember as a kid, me and my friends, we were on the playground and we were chanting this phrase that sticks and stones could break our bones, but words would never hurt us. And I remember actually thinking, words were never gonna get to me. I had broken my pinky in elementary school. And like, as a kid, that hurt a lot. I know, so sad, right? And so I broke my pinky. I'm like, nothing could be worse than that. Nothing could be worse than breaking a bone. And I remember thinking I was never going to let anyone else's words get to me. But it didn't take very long to realize that that's not actually how it is. Like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like, why were we ever taught that as kids? Why were we told that? Because from my experience, and I would imagine from all of yours, that wasn't true. Like, I don't know if you remember ever breaking a bone or scraping your knee or falling off your bike, and do you remember the pain of that? I think most of us would say, no, we've long forgot it. But do you remember words that were said to you that just made you feel small and insignificant? Do you remember walking into a room where your friends were laughing and talking only to become silent when you walked in. Or everyone else seeming to know something about you that you just you didn't know because all these rumors were circulating about you. See, it's all these little things that when we look back at the snippets of the memories that we have, all these emotions come running back. Because somehow, words just get cut deep into us in a way that we just don't even understand. And you know, it's so easy to become victim to the words that are said in our lives, right? And I want to acknowledge that words hurt, and there's a lot of pain, I believe, in this room from words that have been said to us and about us. But it also makes me think, how many times have I said things that have hurt someone else? Maybe either words that I intentionally said to one of my sisters because I wanted to make them mad, or words that I unintentionally said to, or about one of my friends, that I don't even realize how much it hurt them. Because, you know, it's an issue that we've all been hurt by words said to us, but I think the bigger issue is actually that we say things every single day that are hurting other people, and we just don't even realize it. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and of death. We have so much power in what we say, but we are just throwing our words around, oblivious to what they are actually doing. It's like we're walking around in this battleground. We're walking around and we're, we're deaf and we're blindfolded, but we have these grenades in our hands. And so we take these grenades and we're throwing them and we're throwing them any which way, and we don't even realize that we're not even throwing them at an enemy. We're throwing them at our family and our friends. We're throwing them to the people that are actually on our side. And so we are going to go into this series for the next two weeks called The Good Fight, and this is what The Good Fight is. Stepping into that battleground and realizing the challenge that we have every single day as we are on this battleground and every time that we open our mouth that we have a choice of what we are going to let out of them. It's this battleground that we have within ourselves to stop using our words to hurt people and to cause pain and instead to bring life. And so I want to acknowledge that I'm no expert in this area. I am working so hard to use my words wisely, just like all of us. And I fail at it way too often, just like all of us. But I hope that tonight, in the next 25 minutes, that we can can dig into Scripture and we can learn together how does God actually want us to be using our words. And so we're going to enter into the life of a man named Joseph. And Joseph, he's this young man who, if I were to sum up his family, I would say that it's the definition of dysfunctional. His family is chaotic. It's made up of 12 brothers that his father had with four different women. And two of those women are actually sisters, so it's literally sister-wives in this family. And so there's this sister-wife rivalry. There's this brotherly competition. There's these people that are just filled with jealousy and hatred. And so this is the family that we are gonna step into tonight. But, you know, with all of those things in mind, I don't think it's actually the competition or the jealousy that really brought this family to their breaking point. I think what it actually is is just words said here or there that ended up tearing this family apart. And so we're going to read this in Genesis 37, starting at chapter 2. It says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was t- tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bila and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he had made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out of the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. If you go on in the story, you'll find that Joseph's brothers actually sold him into slavery. Like you thought your siblings were bad. They sold him into slavery And, you know, all growing up, I thought Joseph was simply a victim of his brother's unreasonable hatred. Like, I was a younger sister, so I know that sometimes we can just be these innocent kids, and the older sibling is just, like, beating down on us, and we just don't understand why, right? And so I thought Joseph is just this innocent kid. He's just this innocent bystander, and his brothers were just being so unreasonable to him. In our family, we call it Angel Baby. It's the perfect kid, and in my experience sometimes they're not treated the best. But, you know, I'm also the older sister, so I know that younger siblings, myself included, are not always as innocent as people might think they are. So I think if we were to look closely at Joseph's actions, although his brothers should have never done what they did, I don't think Joseph is is as innocent as we might think. So let me show you what I mean. In verse 2 of this passage, it says that Joseph went out to the field with his brothers, And when he came back, he gave a bad report about them to their father. Now, in some cases, this could mean that Joseph was being this responsible kid that went and saw something bad that was happening, so took it to an authority who could actually do something about it. And if that was actually the case, I'd be like, that's great, we should be doing that. But I don't think that's actually what's happening here. You see, if we were to go back to the Hebrew word for bad report, it actually means to whisper, to slander, to spread rumor, or to defame. Joseph wasn't trying to be this responsible younger brother. To put it simply, he was gossiping. And the issue with gossiping is that it leads, or it leads a lot of our relationships to its breaking point. Gossiping is what is, um, what is the poison to so much of our relationships. But the issue is that so often we actually don't know if we're gossiping or not. We don't know if what we are saying can be considered gossip, so should we say it or not? We don't know. So let's go and let's define it. You know, I think that gossip is super complex, and there's actually three different types of gossip. The first type is false gossip. So this kind is the kind that is spread when you don't have all the facts, when you're making assumptions about something, or um, you you have nothing that holds any ground. It's the kind that hosts rumors and tells lies, It's the kind that happens a lot more than we think, and I don't think it's actually intentional. I think that often we just make the mistake of saying something in the moment, and we can't figure out what's true and what's just our perception of what we see and what we hear. So a couple of years ago, when the Young Adults took place on Saturday nights, it looked a lot different than this, the leader of the Young Adults group came to me and he was just telling me about all the different things that were going on in the Young Adults community. I honestly don't remember at all what he said, but I remember leaving that conversation and telling pretty much all of my friends that the River Young Adults was gonna have a singles mixer with all the young adult, other young adult groups in the city. And I don't know how this happened. I don't like to spread rumors, I don't tell lies, but somehow I was convinced that we were gonna have this young, young adult singles mixer. And so I went around and I was telling everyone about it until this leader came to me and he said, um, that's not true. That was never a plan in the first place, and now you need to go back and tell all of those people that you had lied. And so I went back, and I had to tell all my single friends that there was actually no singles mixer, and they were (laughs) devastated, right? Like, that was going to be their chance to find someone. Now, thankfully, we started the ascent not long later, and it's like a mixer every week. So they're feeling all right now. They've forgiven me. But, you know, that was just, A random thing, I misread the conversation, and I probably shouldn't have told people about it, but it didn't really impact anyone personally. But more often than not, spreading around fake news is incredibly hurtful. Assumptions made about someone else's relationship can lead two people to breaking it off and break under the pressure. Stories told about someone's character that is not true can lead them to withdraw from their community. For Joseph's brothers, it probably led their father to no longer trusting them. And this relationship that was already really strained just became worse. So to find out if something is gossip or not, the first question that we must ask is, is it true? Is it true? Does it actually hold any ground? Do you know 100% of the facts and are you at all exaggerating them? Then the next type of gossip is that which misrepresents. It's not necessarily false and it's not necessarily true. It's the things that we say that are just projecting an image of something or someone that alters the way that people will see that situation. It could be sharing your opinion about someone that highlights the worst of someone or a negative image of someone. Maybe it's complaining about a colleague or a classmate to another person you work or go to school with. This could be talking about a situation in a negative way that really just gives one point of view and doesn't actually paint the entire picture. In the story of Joseph and his brothers, what Joseph was saying about them may have had some truth to it. Maybe they were goofing off. Maybe they were um, getting a little bit lazy and slacking. We have no idea what was actually happening. But we can look at this and see that Joseph only gave the bad report about them. So that's all that his father would have been able to see, the bad stuff. But we don't see the long hours they put in, the exhaustion that they might have been feeling, the difficulty they had being away from their families. All we begin to see is the worst. And the New Testament author, James, he writes about this in his book, in James 4. James 4, 11 to 12, it says, my brothers and sisters, do not assault each other with criticism. If you decide your job is to accuse and judge another believer, then you are self-appointed critic and judge of the law. If so, then you are no longer a doer of the law and subject to its rule. You stand over it as judge. Know this, there is one who stands supreme as judge and lawgiver. He alone is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to step in and try to judge one another? Who are we to try to point out the worst in people and to point out all of their faults and criticize them as if we have it all together and we're perfect? We're not called to judge each other in this way, but we're called to love each other. And the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is that it does not dishonor each other, but it actually protects each other. We are not loving people when we talk badly about them and when we misrepresent them. So the question to ask here is, am I honoring the other person? Is what I'm saying bringing out the best in the person, or am I only painting the worst? And then the last type of gossip is the kind that is true. You have all the facts. You know exactly what happened. You know the person's character perfectly, whatever it is. But you're making private matters public. It's the sharing of what was told to you in confidence, or what happened to another person in private, or what could potentially damage someone's reputation. You know, I love how Pastor Craig Rochelle puts it. He says, Everything that is true, everything that is said must be true, but not everything that is true must be said. Everything that is said must be true. It must hold 100% truth to it. It can't just be assumptions or opinions or speculations. But not everything that is true, not everything that you have the facts to is meant to be said. You know, Joseph, he had these crazy dreams. He had these dreams where it made him look like he was going to be this ruler, and his brothers were going to actually bow down to him. And did he have these dreams? Yes, of course. And, And did they end up coming true? Absolutely, we read on to see that this is the dreams that God had given him that was going to project what Joseph's future was going to be like. But the thing with it is that it was never meant to be published because not everything is meant to be shared with everyone else. So with this in mind, I love Pastor Rick Warren's definition of gossip. He says, gossip is speaking about a person who is not present to somebody who is neither part of the solution or the problem. You know, there are times when we do need to go to someone and we need to talk things out if it's our relationship with someone or something that someone did to us or someone that is in our lives that needs help and we just don't know how to help them. There are situations where we need to go to that trusted person and we need to get advice and counsel or we need a mediator, whatever it may be. But if that person isn't part of the problem and if they're not part of the solution, if they're not going to give you a constructive way to go about this, then it shouldn't be said. So the question we must ask to this one is what I'm about to say meant to be published or is it a private matter? Do I have permission to share what I just heard? And is the person going to part of the problem or are they part of the solution? And if not, it's best to keep it private. You know, we're gonna be talking a lot about people in our lives. It's actually said that two thirds of all adult conversation is talking about other people. So it's bound to happen. But what would happen if we put our words through this filter? What would happen if we actually were able to determine if we are gossiping or not? So by asking, is it true? Am I honoring the person? Is it meant to be published? These are things that are going to move us along in bettering our relationships. It's not the perfect answer, but I think it's a start but also to help understand gossip and how to stop it, we need to understand where is it coming from? Because I think it's coming from these desires that we have within ourselves that maybe we use um, poorly. So first of all, when we gossip, a lot of the time we do so to gain acceptance. We have just like this longing to be listened to and gossip, it gives us that. It gives us this quick, quick gratification. And a lot of the times, what we're looking for is intimacy. And how do you become intimate with someone? You become intimate by being vulnerable with them. But when you don't want to be vulnerable about your own things, when you don't want to open up your own soul to people, what do you do? You share the vulnerable pieces and details of someone else's life. So that way we become close quickly with other people without ever having to dig into the deep parts of our own lives that maybe we're embarrassed about or ashamed of or maybe make us look weak. So we gossip to gain acceptance, but we also gossip because it gives us self-worth. And it makes us look better. By Joseph going to his, to his father and giving a bad report about his brothers, it probably made him look pretty good. It's like, look at what my brothers are doing, and then look at me. I'm doing pretty great in comparison. And what it does is it says that I am strong because they are weak. That's what gossip is doing. It's saying, look at all of their things. Look at their shortcomings. Look at their messy relationship. And then look at me. I'm not so bad. It's saying, I am strong because they are weak. And last of all, gossip is entertaining. The real issue with our culture is that we don't just tolerate gossip, but we actually celebrate it. And this isn't just in the entertainment industry with reality TV and celebrity gossip and all that. It's actually just in all of our inner circles. Like, what happens when a friend comes to you and says, oh my goodness, did you hear what happened at the ascent last week? And you're like, no, what? And they're like, well, so-and-so said so-and-so, said blah, 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 and then he said blah, 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 and then she said blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no way. And then you go on and you analyze it for hours, and then when you're finally done analyzing it, it goes something like this. I'm not done talking about that. I'm not over that. Can we just go over that again? And then you talk about it all over again, and I hear laughter over there, so I'm feeling like it kinda is touching home a little bit. And you know, you could say like, okay, that's a very like female thing to do, right? You have slumber parties and you share stories and gossip, but guys, I don't think you're any better. I think you just use less words, (laughs) right? Like, so it's just like, hey, did you hear what so-and-so said at the Ascent last week? And you're like, what? And then they're like, Well, she said this, and he said that, and then she said this. And you're like, oh, that's weird. And you're like, yeah. And then you go on and, like, play video games or whatever you do, right? Like, it's just less words. We all love gossip. We all love talking about it because it just gives us this adrenaline. Our lives just feel too boring and too mundane that we feel like we have to live in someone else's life. We have to live in someone else's drama to make us feel better. And then it's just a cycle of needing to gain acceptance and having self-worth and being entertained by it. And what's happening is that we're allowing this small part of us, these small desires, these small words, and we're allowing them to take over. If we read, we're going to open back up in uh, James. James has a lot to say about words. And he says this in James 3, 2. If a person never speaks hurtful words or shouts in anger or profanity, then he has achieved perfection. The one who can control his tongue can also control the rest of his body. It's like when we place a metal bit in a horse's mouth to ride it. We can control its entire body with the slightest movement of our hands. Going down to verse five, it says, it's a small muscle capable of marvelous undertakings. You know, growing up, I loved everything country. I thought that I was going to grow up and I was going to live on a farm. I was going to have animals and plant a garden. And I was pretty much going to live in seclusion away from other people. I didn't like people back then, so I just wanted to live away from it. And, you know, that's all changed now. I'm 100% city girl because I realized that I don't actually like the outdoors. And not really a fan of animals. And I can't keep a plant alive for the life of me. So I'm a city girl now. But when I was a country girl, I... <laughs> <laughs> When I loved the country, I was obsessed with horses. So I loved horses and so my parents, they had this friend and she had two horses. So they arranged that I could go there and I would have to clean her stables and then she would take me riding. And I thought, like, this is a small price to pay, right? No, it was awful. I would not be paid to do that now. But I thought, this isn't so bad, I guess go riding. So I'm like eight or nine at this point, super excited. I haven't really learned to ride before and so I go to this person's house and she teaches me the basics. She teaches me how to hold the reins, how to sit in the saddle, how to steer the horse. And then with this really short introduction, she gets me on the horse and we go off on the trail. And so we're going off, we're going on this trail, it's great, it's like the perfect day, I'm so excited. And then it gets even better because she says, do you want to try trotting? And like for a beginner horseback rider, this is like the dream to get to go a little bit faster, right? So she tells me how to like, get the horse to pick up pace a little bit. So we start trotting, and I'm super excited. But then somehow, in bouncing up and down, I lost control of the reins, and I dropped them. And so I leaned down to get the reins back, but at that same moment, the horse got spooked. And it takes off into the bush, carrying me with it. And this like, all happens in a second, but you know when like something It's such a short amount of time, but it just feels like it's going in slow motion. This is how I remember this memory, is I'm just going through the bush on this horse in slow motion, and there's a tree coming up. And so the tree's coming up, and there's a branch sticking out of it. And the branch is about the exact same height as my head. And so I'm going towards it, and I don't have time to lean forward, because then I would hit my head on this branch as this horse is running through the bush, so I lean back. And I lean back, and I'm just lying with my back on this horse. Yeah, quite the sight, right? And I'm trying to get up, but I can't get up. And so I'm about to fall off this horse. Now, thankfully, the horse stops for some reason. It stops. And so I'm like pulling myself up, and I get myself right in the saddle as my instructor. She comes, and she calms the horse down, and then she calms me down. I don't know why the horse got to be first, but I was traumatized. I was so scared. I'm like, this horse has so much power. But she calms me down, she gets the reins, she passes them to me, and she says, okay, let's try that one again. And so then we go on. You see, being able to control gossip is like being able to control a horse with a bit and reins. When we have control of the horse's mouth, we have control of the whole body. We can tell it where to go, we can steer it how we want, we can determine the pace that it is going to go, but without it, it takes off. It stampedes away, and it puts us and others in danger. And that's the exact same with gossip. So how do we actually take hold of the reins? How do we actually take hold of our words and of our gossip? A common way that people will say to do this is to put it through a screen test, to take it and to imagine that everything that you were going to say was going to be put on a big screen for everyone to see, and then ask yourself, would you still say it? And this is an incredible way to go and I think that we should all be thinking about this but I also think that we need to change the culture. It's not just something in our own lives, we need to start changing the culture of what gossip is doing in our community. And one of the ways that I think we can do this is to start talking to people, not about them. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves is if I'm going through something and people will talk to other people asking them about how I'm doing. So like sometimes my parents or my sisters, they'll come and they'll say, oh, so-and-so was asking about you the other day. And I'll be like, I saw so-and-so the other day. Why didn't they just ask me? Or if they were actually concerned about me, why wouldn't they just text me or call me? And you see, this isn't like really a huge issue, but the bigger issue is that we have this culture where we like to talk about people instead of talking to them. And I don't know if this is because we're just afraid of people. We feel like we're not close enough to actually ask them these intimate details of their life. But if we're not close enough to ask them, then why are we talking about it in the first place? And then we need to start stopping gossiping before it even starts. And what we need to do is that we actually have to make gossip unsafe. Right now, what I think we could say, all say in our friendship circles is that everyone's pretty open to gossiping. Everyone's pretty open to discussing these vulnerable details about someone else's life or sharing opinions about other people or um, looking at people negatively, and they're okay with it. And even if we're uncomfortable about it, we rarely actually do anything to stop it. But what if we actually made people uncomfortable to share gossip around us? So I'm not always good at this, but sometimes what I will do is, if someone's telling me something that I feel like maybe I'm not supposed to know, I'll just stop them. I'll be like, am I allowed to know this? And usually, awkwardly, they'll say, you know, I don't know, or they never said that you, I couldn't tell you this. And at that point, I'll just be like, you know what? It's probably best that I don't know. And to be honest, these moments can be kind of awkward. And everything in me actually does want to know. Like, I'm not a saint in this where I'm like, I actually don't care to know. I want to know. But um, it's not like it's going to make my life any better if I do. And really, if I'm not part of the problem or the solution, why do I need to know anyways? Maybe a less firm way of stopping gossip is by redirecting the conversation. So if they're telling you something, maybe they're complaining about someone or about talking about a situation, you can just say, and how did that make you feel? It's kind of like typical counselor, right? You can practice. How did that make you feel when so and so said that, or when they did that, or when that person keeps doing that? And what this does is it points points everything back to that person. It opens the door for them to share their own heart and to actually become vulnerable with you. And I bet you guys are going to become closer because of it. But why does any of this matter so much? Why does it matter how we use our words? Why does it matter if, you know, every once in a while we just let loose? We just let the horse go wild? We just have a fun night with our friends just ranting and going on these... um, and these rants about the people that are annoying us. Why does it matter? You see, what gossip ultimately does is it brings out the worst of people. And I think that God actually hates it when we talk badly about his children. You know, I don't have any kids, but I know how protective I get if anyone says anything bad about my parents or my sisters. Like, if someone says something bad about them or talks badly about them, you can bet that you are going to see the worst side of me. Like, forget about gossip ruining my reputation. I'll do it all on my own if someone talks badly about someone I'm close with. So if I, just an imperfect human, hates it when anyone talks badly about those that I'm close to, how much does our perfect godfather care when we make his children look bad the truth is, no matter what our motive, if we're making people look bad intentionally, if we know that we're doing this, or if it's just unintentional that we just say these things and we look back and we're like, okay, yeah, that probably wasn't a good thing to say. I think most of us can agree that we've lost control of our, of our words, that we've lost the reins way too often than we'd like to admit. But you see, Well, gossip claims that I am strong because they are weak. What does the gospel claim? The gospel claims that I am weak, but he is strong. The gospel is claiming, yeah, sure, I'm human, I'm weak, I mess up. But God is strong. And so, if gossip is this horse that is running wild, that is stampeding through our lives, that is ruining our relationships then God is the one who comes alongside, he calms down the situation, he passes you the reins again, and he says, okay, let's try that again. And when we try again, when we get control of our words again, I actually think that miracles begin to happen. Like, broken relationships begin to get restored. When we begin to talk about the best in God's people, that anointed part of them sprouts up, and I think that they begin to do way more than we ever thought possible for the kingdom of God. And when we season our words with love, people don't only see that we are the people of love, but they begin to see that God is the God of love. And when we stop spreading around bad news, and when we stop becoming a people that is just against so many others, people are going to see that what we are actually for. That we are for God, that we are for unity, that we are for the gospel. And we become this community that can only be described as divine. As people come and they're like, I want to be a part of this. This is a community that is gonna believe the best in me. This is a community that I can go to that I'm gonna be encouraged by. This is a community that I will belong no matter what, that is not gonna point out the worst in me, but is gonna bring out the best. And so I think we have a chance to get control back tonight. And we have the God who's willing to put the reins back in our hands and continue to allow us a chance to try again and use our words to bring life this time. For all the times that we've messed up, there is so much grace that follows. But we have a responsibility to hold the reins better next time. So I want to challenge you first, start to notice when you are gossiping or not. Is it true? Is it honoring the person, and is it meant to be published? And then put it through the screen test and start to even change the culture in your own relationships. Talk to other people, not about them. And let's make gossip unsafe. But second, if you have hurt someone with your words, with the strength of God, do whatever you need to do to make it right. Going on in James James writes this, ironically, the same tongue can be both an instrument of blessing to our Lord and Father, and a weapon that hurls curses upon others who are created in God's image. One mouth streams forth both blessing and curses. My brothers and sisters, this is not how it should be. We are gonna be entering a time of worship in a moment, and I want us to really think, do you have control of your words? Because if you don't have control of your words when it comes to people, do you really have control of your words when it comes to God? And when it comes to praising Him? Because we have the power to both bless and curse, but the thing is that we cannot do them both simultaneously. We cannot be in this room praising God with our whole heart, but then go away the next moment and start talking bad about each other, and spreading rumors about each other, and gossiping about each other. So if you are someone who allowed your mouth to go wild for way too long, and you know that you've hurt people, I wanna challenge you, apologize to them now. Before we even get into this next song, maybe you need to send a quick text. Maybe you need to quickly arrange for coffee with someone. Maybe that person's in this room and you need to go and apologize to them. But I wanna challenge you, before you step into this moment of worship, make it right. Begin to clean up the mess with God along your side, with the strength of God, and then continue to worship him. I know this stuff can be hard, and it can be messy, and gossip is just so complex. We're not going to walk away from here tonight and just have it all right. I've been working on this for a long time, trying to be aware of the words I say, and I'm still failing at it all all the time. But I believe that in our weakness, in her humility to say that we cannot fight this fight alone, God is going to be our strength, and he's going to bring grace all along the way.